0: to you live from the Oaklawn Racing Casino Resort Studio Oaklawn Arkansas's only casino resort Now here's Justin Acri and Wes Westmore on the Buzz Radio Network
1: All
2: right welcome back to the Arkansas State Fair it's 1106 we've got some guests coming up a little bit later this segment so we're going to get to it let's get to the red white report and uh talk about Arkansas and Alabama what it should be just an incredible competitive, fantastic matchup in Tuscaloosa this Saturday.
0: The Red White Report is brought to you by Big O Tires. With locations in Conway on Harkrider and in Cabot on Prospect Court. Big O Tires offers an endless selection of wheel and tire combinations. Big O Tires. They have everything you need to fit your budget and style.
2: Okay. Let's get to it. Um... Arkansas and Alabama are going to play Saturday. It's an early start, 11 a.m. Our coverage starts at the middle of the night, and I hope that you'll tune in for it. 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 7. a.m., breakfast with Baz. A lot of people have had breakfast with Baz over the years, um, and Trey Schapp is also going to be joining him, and you can tune in at 7. And next week, guess what? We're going to do it all over again, because it's so much fun. I mean, honestly, they should call it the Razorback Brunch, or the Razor Brunch Show, ...is what it's becoming, unfortunately. I don't know. Maybe they'll play a night game before the year's over. I mean, poor Alabama hasn't played a morning game in how long, Wes? At home. I think it's 2016. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas is dragging Alabama's program down, for God's sakes. Come on, guys! Anyway.
3: See, there's your uh, there's your in. What's we were that? looking for something, of a possibility for the upset. Yep. Alabama's not used to this. That's true. They don't. They don't know what it's like to play at eleven o'clock in the morning. Arkansas, they're they're experts at playing eleven o'clock in the morning. That's a great point. I'm not we even
2: we, usually out of bed at eleven a.m. Coach, what are you doing to me?
3: We need to see right. what Arkansas's
4: record is in eleven a.m. games. That's what we need. Well,
2: we know what Alabama's is. Apparently zero and whatever the last five years up. at home. Uh, zero and zero. Uh, here's Dan, uh, Nick Saban on Dan Enos, who is Arkansas's offensive coordinator.
5: Yeah, he's doing great. You know, I think he's a really good coach. He did a great job for us when he was here. Um, You know, I can't remember those days back when he was a scout team quarterback, but if he says I got on him, that wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) But anyway, he's a really good coach and doing a really good job with their team. I think he's changed quite a bit from when he was a coordinator before he was on our staff. and I think being with Mike Loxley, who was the coordinator here when Dan was here, and then having coach for, you know, Mike, um, I think he has changed, you know, quite a bit. Um, but in a very good way. Uh, I think they, they play well and they take advantage of the players that they have and uh, present a lot of issues and problems for you defensively.
3: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking, you? I bet... Some of the players on their team have never played an eleven o'clock game in their life.
2: No, think well, about high You
3: play around then. Wait a Probably. minute. Now, we, okay. These are
2: home games. They surely they played an eleven o'clock road game at some point. That's just home games. I'm sure they they've, they've, they've got True. to stick Alabama one 11 o'clock slot a year on the road, right? I bet they have. But at home, you're right. Probably not. Anyway. All right, I can't, I can't entertain this too much more. Let's let's see what Quinn Grovey thinks about it. What does Arkansas have to do? It would be cool though. I did see that Cam Little hit a sixty-eight yard field goal in practice yesterday. It would be amazing if Arkansas had it down mm-hmm. and it was close and it came down to like a field goal and Cam Little hit like a sixty-five yarder to win the game. How crazy would that be?
3: Or into the half, you know, Arkansas's got the ball in the forty-nine. Can I,
2: can I just have my time here? Can I just have him win the game with a sixty-five yarder? I mean, reaching. let me dream.
0: You're reaching. Just I'm sleep. being realistic.
2: Pat chance to dream. Give me some Quinn.
0: It's time to groove with Grovey, with an all-time great Razorback quarterback.
2: Takes it, cuts inside to the 10, to the 5, he'll score. Touchdown, Quinn Groby. Showing the great athletic ability. Did it his way.
0: Current Razorback broadcast analyst, Quinn Grovey. Grooving with Groby is brought to you by Bell & Sword at 1011 Oak Street in Conway. From boots to suits, they have everything for the best-dressed man. Now, let's groove.
2: All right, I got Chuck, Chuck Gatlin of our staff, who's just sitting over there twiddling his nose. By the way, great job setting everything up, Chuck. I appreciate you. You are the man. Chuck has been a busy bee this week. He's going to research this. I was just telling uh, Quinn as we welcome you in. Thanks for being with us. I was just telling uh, Wes at the break. Every year it's the same thing. I come to the Arkansas State Fair Media Day. We sit out here. We talk about the rides and we talk about the food and we talk about all the cool things. And it's the same thing. It's I'm I'm depressed about what's happening in Fayetteville. It seems like every year it's the same thing. The last five or ten years. It, by this point in the season, I'm like, eh, whatever. So anyway, I'm going to have him research and see what the last five dates were for Arkansas or for uh, uh, Arkansas State Fair and uh, when we were here for media day, and I'm going to see where Arkansas was in their schedule over the last five years when we were out here. And maybe I'm crazy, but that's what it feels like.
3: And that stat I saw yeah. about the first eleven o'clock home game, yeah, must have been the first eleven o'clock SEC home game. Oh, because they played Austin P at eleven o'clock last year at home. Okay,
4: yeah, they played Texas at eleven a.m. last year too. Obviously in Austin, but also
3: non-conference. Yeah. Okay, first SEC eleven o'clock home game. Anyway,
4: uh, Quinn, how are you? Man, I'm doing good. I was sitting here
1: listening to that that, uh, interview with Nick Saban, and I was wondering, did he do that like after midnight? I mean, it's like a quiet voice, his quiet storm voice. I mean, his sexy voice. He almost put me to sleep with that Dan Eno's comment. I mean, just uh, very quiet, very subtle, just felt like it was the quiet storm.
2: Yeah, I don't think those guys realize that their comments are going to be played on radio stations around the country because none of them really have a lot of uh, verve to it, but I'm just saying it would be nice if he would give us a little more. But that's pretty typical for him. But it's funny because we already think they're not really taking Arkansas that seriously and they're not that worked up about it. But we know that's also not Saban's way. But every time you get a clip from him, it's like, well, they're a really good team and I think they're really going to give us a tough yeah. game. And we really like their quarterback. He's really a good player. Thanks, Nick. Anyway. Sorry. Oh, so, what can Arkansas do? I, I just had this dream scenario: Cam Little hits a sixty-five yard to win the game. What's Arkansas got to do to get to that point?
1: I'll sign up for that right now, Man, we can we can we I'll sign up for that right now and roll out with mm-hmm. it. But I mean, there's a lot that they have to do. I mean, I think we all understand there's a lot that they have to do, and I, I think it's really just. At this point, it's about not making it too complicated, you know, for your football team. You know, I've been in these situations where you've lost football games in a row and you're staring a, a, a pretty big opponent in your in your face that you hadn't beaten in a long time. So, I mean, I, I get that, but it's, it's really about not getting too complicated because I'll go back and I've said this all week long. I'll go back. To, uh, you lost four games in a row. I'll go back to those. I'll go back to BYU, LSU, um, and and Ole Miss. And even though you didn't play your best, and I've said this, even though you didn't play your best, you still had the chance to to win those football games. It comes down to focus. It comes down to uh, winning those four or five plays that are really really critical uh, that changes the the outcome of the game. And so. I think if you're Arkansas you have a lot that you can talk about from a success standpoint and so when you get down in the dumps and your team is not playing the way you think they should be you've got to focus in on the success and when you talk about success then that that kind of leads to why you play the football game Um, and if you're not having fun playing college football uh, it's it's It can be a rough, rough Saturday for you. Right now, I don't know that everybody's having fun. I don't know, you know, looking at social media and stuff. I don't know that the fans are having fun. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you've lost some football games. But, again, I look at it a little bit deeper, I think, and I'm not looking for any more victories, so don't nobody at me. Uh, but I'm, hmm. I'm looking at this football team, it feels like, they're in those games they have enough talent to do what they need to do they just got to get focused on um, you know limiting all those mistakes and so when you talk about winning this football game you're going to have to have some chunk plays that lead to touchdowns i mean that's simple i mean it's going to be hard to go to long haul against an alabama defense that uh, is starting to come into its own uh, and you've got to limit those self-inflicted wounds on offense and then defensively I don't, you look, I'm going to say I don't think that there's really anything differently that the defense does or needs to do. I think a lot of people may say, hey, Quinn, you're crazy. But what I would say, this defense has been very opportunistic. They have been creating short fields. They've been creating turnovers. And they've turned some turnovers into touchdowns. I don't think you, ha- I don't think you like put on them and say, hey, you have to be Superman or anything like that. But they have to do what I just talked about. And so if, if uh, the defense can, can be very good, Milrow will give you something. He'll give you something. You just got to make sure if he throws it to you, you better catch it. And if you can get to the end zone, get to the end zone. And so it's really about maximizing and capitalizing on every mistake that they make. But, again, I don't think it's a superhuman effort that you got to have because I'll go back and look. All these games you've been in, you've just made some mistakes. You didn't play your best, and uh, that's the reason you lost those football games.
3: Is Milro the type of quarterback you want to get after, or do you want to contain him? Because I fear, you know, you bring the blitz, and all of a sudden he escapes it, and then there's nobody there, and he's just running loose. And we've seen that before out of him. What do you? How, how do you pressure him?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know if, if pressuring him is the right thing. Uh, I think you've got to have somebody to limit him pulling the football down because when you draw back to pass, I mean, those natural gaps pop open. I mean, just like two years ago, uh, or excuse me, last year, he broke one that really hurt us. Uh, and we had a chance to win that football game. And so I think you've just got to limit him. The thing about Milrow is he's one heck of a runner. So you know that's going to uh, be center stage. You've got to make sure you have a plan for that. Where he's good in the passing game, he's got a strong arm and he throws a great deep ball. So you got to make sure you take care of Jermaine Burton. And that's the guy that they really focused and targeted like crazy last week, trying to get him to football versus Texas A&M. Now, once you do all that, you hopefully sit back a little bit and really force Milrow to throw the football in that 10 to 15 to 20 yard range, where he's got to throw it in the middle, where he's got to deal with your defenders. If you can get to that point and force him to, and that's what I'll be looking at. Where's his pass chart? Uh, you know, how many how many passes do uh, uh, is he throwing in that 10 to 15 yard range? Because those are the ones that you have an opportunity to get. It's, it's not going to be the deep ones. It's not going to be the ones that he, he pulls down and takes off. If you can force him to throw a lot of balls in that ten or that five to twenty yard range, that's where your defense has a chance to take take advantage of his completion percent.
3: Quinn, I'm I, I went back and did some research on the Alabama defense, and uh, since that Texas game, they've been outstanding. Um, four straight weeks now of Basically keeping teams uh, to twenty points or less, and last week against A and M, they held the Aggies to twenty, which was their fewest points uh, of the season and their fewest yards. So this Alabama defense is back after a lot of people wrote them off against that Texas game. How does Arkansas move the ball against Alabama?
1: I um, mean, that's the billion dollar question. I mean, Arkansas has struggled moving the football, uh, you know, consistently, but they've had times where they've been able to have long extended drives. To me, again, it comes back to. It you're going to have to have plays over 20 yards that equal touchdowns. I mean, you're going to have to have some long touchdowns. You don't have to have every one of those be that way, but going against a a Nick Saban Alabama defense, it's hard to go to long haul, but it's hard to go to long haul against any defense in the SEC. Arkansas has got to find a way to get chunk plays that lead to touchdowns, and then also, I mean, from a special team standpoint, you know Scott Fountain and Sam are not afraid to dial up something in that area as well, so they've got to win that battle, but You know, it's going to be hard to load up and just run the football against them. I don't know that we've ever really just been able to do that, I mean, with with the exception of McFadden and all those guys, but uh, it's, it's all about chunk plays. I mean, you've got to find a way to scheme up some things that's going to give you easy touchdowns, that's going to take pressure off your offense, especially, especially when you get a turnover. If you get a turnover, your offense has got to score.
3: Yeah, the defense um, has done a good job. At t- I go back to the A&M game. Quinn, you know, and you mentioned those three other games, they were close and had a chance to win. Arkansas comes out, gets a pick six, then they recover a fumble, and they throw a pass in the end zone that Armstrong almost catches. If he catches it, it's a tie game in the third quarter against A&M. That, to me, was kind of the play of the game. Yeah. That, But not making that play, but it goes back to what you said. You've got to take advantage of any mistakes that Alabama makes.
1: Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's just really got to be the mo. And uh, I, you know, I think that if you know you continue to talk about you know the you know sixteen or seventeen—I don't know how many years they beat us in a row. You yeah, yeah you, you you talk about those things, and that's probably going to uh, not resonate well with your football team. But it's really about this football team because this this football team has not been beaten beaten by Alabama 16 years in a row or 17 years, whatever it is. It's just really a a one off situation where again, like I said, if if I looked at, I mean, like people are like saying like this football team is is really really struggling. I I, I understand what they're talking about. But there are so many things that you can look at that says you're closer than ever. I mean, and close is not that only works in in horseshoes. I understand all that, but it's 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 you're not getting you're beating you're beating yourself. And when you can say you're beating yourself, that's when you focus in on um, all the success opportunities that you had that you let slip through your fingers. So to me, it's really all about mindset. What's your mindset going into this football game? And if Sam can really get those guys to focus on uh, the mindset aspect of it, I mean, to me, that's the biggest—that's the biggest thing that you got to have because you already got a hurdle dealing with this Alabama Alabama football team that's uh, beating you several years in a row.
3: Quinn Groby with us on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. How much of this do you think? Because Coach Pittman made a point this week about the psyche of the team. It's you got to forget about the helmet. You know the, um, you, you, the the name across the chest. You don't have to be perfect. You just got to go out and play well. How much of that is uh, you know? Literally, a team gets off the bus thinking they're going to lose against Alabama. Sure. I mean, I think it happens a lot. I mean, if you're being honest, I mean, I think
1: it's uh, I think Alabama really try. I mean, Nick yes. Saban is already an in- intimidating factor. And so he's already going to. You already know that. You already think his game plan is probably better than really what it is. I mean, he's going to put together a game plan. He's going to say his stuff in his press conferences. And you know he has, or the reputation is, they've got five stars, two and three deep. And so you know you're going to be dealing with a talented football team. And and when I say Arkansas has lost, you know, 16 to 17 years in a row against Alabama, so have a lot of other SEC teams. I mean, you know, it's just been something that... Uh, Alabama has done, and they play on that. They like when they walk out, and they're on that field, and you go like, "Oh man, there's Nick Saban." I mean, cause, you know, because his media presence is there. You know, he's considered the greatest coach in you know, college football history. All that stuff plays into uh... the psyche. Now, Nick is not going to be out there on the field trying to make a tackle against KJ, but. I think if you can just get past that and have some success early that that helps you out but Alabama beats a lot of teams before you actually get on the field they 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 usually beat you the week before the week of and then you see them come out at in pregame warm-ups and you go oh man there he is he's really there and so you've got to focus on being in awe every time you play against Nick Saban but these guys have seen Alabama and Nick Saban a lot of these guys KJ who's going to be a key factor he's seen it time and time again and uh, I, I think he is uh, he's one of those guys who can help your team get over the hump because there's got to be some mindset and mental things that you've got to work through when you've lost as many games that you have to, to this football team.
2: Quinn, we're at the fair, so we got to run. I'd love to delve a little deeper into this matchup because I think it's going to be a really interesting game this Saturday. However, we have got to go, but I appreciate you, and we will catch up next week and hopefully we're recapping a win that is capped off by a 65-yard field goal. That would be neat.
1: All right, man. Y'all get some cotton candy, some corn dogs, some nachos. Y'all do something. Y'all Buddy, do something you know we're gonna over gonna, there.
2: Everything we can get, we're going to get right. it. You know this. I appreciate you. Thank you, Quinn.
1: <laughs> Later. All right. Take care, man. See All right.
2: We are joined now by uh, a world record holder. Dana Kunzi is joining us. He is a high dive world champion, eight times over, seven-time world record holder. And I just watched a video that made me, well, shudder, frankly. Just watching it scared the hell out of me. I can't imagine actually trying to do what he does. But 172 feet is all he did. I mean, uh, pretty ridiculous. But uh, he is kind enough to join us. He's going to be performing here at the Arkansas State Fair this year. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate you coming by.
6: How are you? Uh, great. Yep. We'll be here uh, doing three shows a day, the whole fair. So how
2: how high do you do uh, dives when you're at a place like this for an event Here like this?
6: at the show, we're actually diving from about 80 feet into a pool that's about, uh, it stands 10 feet tall. But the water's always down a little bit, so we 're diving into about nine and a half feet.
2: What do you need to do on your landing so you don't hit the bottom
6: <laughs> uh, it 's a little trick that we called scooping and it 's basically if you 're going in head first you 're going to roll when you get you know, your head surface into the water and if you 're going in feet first, you pike at the waist, and what we do is we use the you know the length of the pool rather than the depth to stop because even from about eighty feet we 're doing fifty five you know almost sixty miles an hour in that pool, so it's a big impact.
2: I asked you this, and I cannot believe this, but when you climb up the stanchion to get to the platform... It's a free climb. There is not. You're not. You're not tied in at all.
6: Yeah. No. Not at all. It's. Uh, you know. It's funny too because it's what it is. It's a. It's a three-sided rowan tower, and you know nothing that we really use for these professional diving shows is made for that particular purpose. You know these towers are radio antennas, but we dive off the top of them. <laughs> the tanks that hold the water, you know, weren't made for high diving shows, but that's what we do, and it works real well for us. So, but yeah, we free climb them all the way up.
2: How does one become a high diver?
6: My story's real long. I was... Uh you know, a young man in Minneapolis, and they started uh, uh, desegregation of the schools back in the mid-70s, and they bused me from the school that all of my brothers and sisters went to, to a predominantly Native American Indian school up there in Minnesota, and uh, the thought pattern was that they would, uh, you know, integrate the schools through sports and stuff like that, so they hired a guy who was a professional high diver at the time, and they built him a gymnasium and a swimming pool, and that's exactly what he did. He created a racquetball team and gymnastics teams and diving teams and stuff and it worked perfect so from the age of like uh, 11 to 13 I went to junior high school and was diving with this guy John Tobler and then at 13 he says to me you know we've got two choices we can either work for the next you know 4, 8 or 12 years and hope that you go to the Olympics and, and win a gold medal and if you win a gold medal you might make some money back in those days or we can put you in these live shows and these other competitions that are on ABC Sports right now, and uh, and start making money right away. And because of the nature of my particular uh, type of diving, I wasn't going to be able to compete with Greg Louganis, who's a you know, dear friend of mine. In, in uh, the the beauty of the diving, you know, I right. was more like a gutsy kid that wasn't scared to jump off of real tall things.
2: When did you know that? Like, did you know, like, as a kid, like, I'm not afraid of stuff that most kids are.
6: We used to go out and uh, when the coach said, "Hey, listen." And if, you, if you're going to turn pro, there's this one other little thing you need to learn, and that's high diving, and so he would take us out to the Mississippi uh, River Bridges, and, and, we would dive, and we would dive off of these bridges and these high trestles into the Mississippi River, and the crazy thing about it was, and I, I think about it now, and I go, what the heck was I thinking? But, you know, we were swimming a good mile, mile and a half in the current to try to get out of the river yeah. before we could get to the side of the river after wow. you know, diving in some of these places. So, really, when I was 13, years old, I did a dive that was about 115 feet, you know, off the uh, bridge in, in Minneapolis there, and I don't think anybody at 14, 15 years old had ever done that. Before. That was into a river or into the lake? Into the river. Okay. The Mississippi River.
2: What, yeah. um, what are you thinking about when you're standing over a dive that's 100 plus feet?
6: Um, you just want to get the dive right because well, I'll tell you, I've taken big shots at 170 feet, you know 180 feet, the dive that I did uh, in Japan, I still think to this day was about 180, 190 feet, it went into the record books at 166 and there's a long reason why that happened but, you know, you just want to get the dive in and, and, and be safe especially in these shallow pools like we're diving at at the fair here, you know, it's not so much the beauty of the dive here is that is stay off the bottoms. You hit the bottom here, you'll break an ankle, break a leg. So easy, it's yeah. you know. So yeah, it's you're just thinking about completing a good safe dive, and more importantly, like I said, getting into the water.
2: We're glad that you're here and healthy and, and alive. Uh, I'm sure you've seen some things that have gone wrong over the years from some of your competitors, fellow competitors.
6: Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, lots of injuries, lots of accidents. I've had uh, good friends that were doing shows like we do here, at the, you know, that slipped and fell and and uh, ain't with us anymore. So. Yeah. You know it's a, it's a kind of a dangerous thing that we make look real easy but you know so but safety's always our number one. I've been in business now for 40 years. We've never had a serious accident ever. So that's like a knock on wood yeah. thing in, in our sport.
2: How many people are in your team? And how many divers do
6: you have? Well, overall, during the course of the summer, I might have as many as 60 or 70 kids out there traveling the country because we've got several units in different places around the country, and I do all kinds of other things as well. Uh, But here there's going to be five people in the show, and uh, it'll be like a pirate's theme, so it'll tell a story from the beginning to the end, and within that show you'll see springboard and tower diving, comedy, clown diving, and of course the finale is the high dive, 80 feet into the the 10-foot tank.
2: So you're still diving, though?
6: I, I'm in the case of an emergency, break glass and pull out the fat guy, <laughs> so when I absolutely have to, I'm capable of doing it, um, but I, I pretty much just announce now, go and do the set-ups and the tear-downs and you know, the stuff that's real uh, important and safety is good.
3: When you do a high dive and, and you do it right, does it still hurt though?
6: Uh, no, if you do it well into these tanks because you're, you're, you're trying to stay off the bottom. You're, so you're scooping so fast that that is a little bit of an impact on your body, and maybe one or two, but over the course of you know a 10-day fair doing three shows a day, it's 30 high dives. It'll wear you out if you're doing them all yourself. So yeah. we try to get a couple of guys in the show that high dive everywhere we go so they can switch off. So That's
2: crazy. We're talking to Dana Coonsie. Has anybody attempted to break your record?
6: Uh, I had a good friend, Randy Dickerson, who, God rest his soul, was killed doing a show in his 30s years ago, but he tried to break my 172-foot world record in, in Hong Kong, and he ended up breaking his leg in three places and had to be recovered from the water. And then there was another guy named Oliver who was in Switzerland one year, and he tried to break the record, and he landed flat on his back and was in traction for nine and a half months. And the rules that we always competed under were that you not only had to do the dive but you had to walk away and do the interview afterwards so uh, a lot of guys weren't able to do that there was in fact the last one i did uh abc came to me and they said dana when you stop doing this world record dive we're going to take it off the air because you're the only guy doing it year after year after year consistently and not getting you know super injured and after that 172 footer, I I had lost, came in second uh, the two previous years, so I won for four years and then I came in second twice and no one ever remembers who's in second, yeah. even though I was doing the most difficult dive in the world at the time. I got beat twice and so once I came back on the seventh world record and I won, I went you know I ain't getting any younger and I need to start thinking about what I want to do with my life, right? And so I I retired from that world record or from that contest. Then ABC pulled it off the air and it's Never been on since. Does
2: it have to be from a, a, a structure? I mean, does a dive to be legal? Does that have to be from a structure? Or could they crank you up in a helicopter five hundred no, feet and drop it, you
6: out? No. In fact, I've done some helicopter dives. I did a I did a hundred <laughs> and thirty five foot dive out of a helicopter. First time I'd ever even been in a helicopter. Yeah. And uh, so no, it can be. It's just for the world record. It's whatever you know. You just got to top that height.
2: Why not go to two hundred and go to a lake or something?
6: Um, but it was you know we had thought about it when I was a kid. I was considering diving off the Golden Gate Bridge. Because at 172 feet, I'm only about 30, 40 feet from the street level. And for me, that wouldn't have been a big problem at the time. And my mother um, made me promise that I would never do that. And so we had thought, well, if I can't do the actual bridge, maybe I'll just stack a towel you know, tower up or, or go for, find a cliff somewhere that's that high. But uh, uh, it could be done, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? yeah, sure.
2: Do you have somebody, a star in the making, that you think might break your record someday?
6: We've got a couple of guys. You know, I'm, I'm also involved in the rebuild of the International Swimming Hall of Fame down in Fort Lauderdale right now. And we just put in an $8 million um, high dive tower that's going to hopefully lead into high diving being, you know, uh, put into the Olympics as well. And so I've got a couple of kids that are actually here. There's one here, Clark Kosurik, who's, uh, it, it reminds me of me at his age, yeah. you know, like nobody else I've ever seen. This kid is, he'll be up there on that one square foot platform and he'll kick into a handstand up there before he does his dive and then fall. And I mean, it's as big as this piece of paper. You know, and that's it. And he's on a handstand. And you'll see it from him all the time. Oh, I got to come see this thing. So, yeah. what time do your show start? We are 12:30, 3:30, and 6:30 every day, I believe. Okay, well, I will come wow. and see. you.
2: This is a great addition to the fair. Have they been here before? No, they're.
6: 30. Okay,
2: what a great addition. This is a this is exciting. I'm hyped about this.
6: Yeah, we're gonna have some fun. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I'm gonna drink a couple of beers, and you guys go do your thing. That'll be <laughs> awesome. But uh, I'm so glad you could come by and and, and join us, Dan. That's a great story, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing your performers. It's it's incredible. I mean, it, what's funny to me is your mom let you high dive as a thirteen year old, but she talked you out of the Golden Gate Bridge as a grown <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. weird to me. Yeah, I because wouldn't let my seventeen year old do anything close to that.
6: By then she would, she knew I was going to do it, so that's when she made me promise I wouldn't. I gotcha.
2: Well, listen, I appreciate you coming by. Thank you. And, uh, my pleasure. Hope you all have a great weekend. Yeah, thank enjoy you. it. Good luck. All right, yeah, be thank safe. You. Yep. All right, we got to hit a timeout. That's that's gonna be a tough act to follow. My gosh, that's huh. incredible. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Um, thank you.
2: We, uh, we're we going to come back and talk to Dr. O'Malley. We've got Mayor Scott coming up, too. So we've got to hustle long. It's 1135.
4: Get in the zone with Justin Acri and Wes Moore every day from 10 to 1. Live from the Oakwan Racing Casino Resort Studios on 1037
3: The Buzz. Join Kevin McPherson, Arkansas's premier basketball recruiting analyst each Friday on Drive Time Sports, brought to you by Fence Brokers. Fence brokers going the extra mile.
4: 100-win teams in the Major League Baseball playoffs have not fared too well as the Diamondbacks finished off the Dodgers beating them 4-2 to last night. Arizona became the first team to ever hit four home runs in one inning in postseason history as four Diamondbacks went deep off of Lance Lynn in the third. The last time Arizona went to the NLCS was 2007. The Dodgers and the Orioles are both 100-win teams and both were swept. The Atlanta Braves are the only other 100-win team in the majors and they find themselves in danger of elimination as they fell to the Phillies 10-2 last night. They trailed 2-1 in the series. Philadelphia can punch their ticket to the NLCS with a win tonight. First pitch is set for 7 7 on TBS. And the ALCS is set. It'll be a battle for Texas between the Astros and the Rangers. Game 1 will be on Sunday. I'm Christian Weaver with the Buzz Radio Network.
5: This month is the 46th anniversary of Robert Irwin Jewelers. Get to a Robert Irwin Jewelers store near you and save big on engagement rings, anniversary bands, and diamond pendants. Bigger, brighter diamonds, better prices. Robert Irwin Jewelers or online at rijewelers.com.
4: Our policies are competitively priced and include new car replacement coverage if anything were to happen to your new baby.
3: See Dan Cook in North Little Rock, Steve Fisher in Stuttgart, or Jay Vandover in Little Rock. Johnston's Home Center presents Andrew Chambly when he joins Randy and Rick on Drive Time Sports every Tuesday through football season. Johnston's Home Center. If you can't find it at Johnston's Home Center, you probably don't need it.
2: This is Pat Bradley for Whit Davis Lumber Plus. Whit Davis Lumber Company is your blueprint for success. Whether you're a professional contractor or just need a hand being handy, Whit Davis is your partner for getting the job done right. From quality materials to tools for projects inside and out, they understand how important quality is when it comes to your home. So, when you're in need of a lumberyard or hardware store, think of my friends over at Witt Davis. You can find them in Jacksonville, Cabot, Sherwood, and Greenbrier, or online at witdavis.com.
0: You're back in the zone in the Oaklawn Racing Casino Resort Studio. Check us out online at 1037thebuzz.com and throw us a follow at JustinAchrey7 at Wes underscore Moore and at cweaver 1037 Now, back to Justin Achrey and Wes Moore on the Buzz Radio Network.
2: Haven't had a lot of time for calls. We're out here at the State Fair. Busy day. That interview with Dana Kunze was absolutely just fantastic. Phenomenal. Uh, catch the show. I mean, that's got to be incredible to see. I just watched a 172-foot dive on video from back in the day. It is ridiculous. You, I watched you two, it,
4: during in the break. That yeah. was incredible.
2: Dude, it's amazing. I mean, these guys are... I mean, you're just built different. My thing is just climbing the... Ta- 99% I, of people couldn't climb the tower without freaking out and falling off, no, let alone I couldn't getting to the up. top, standing on the tiny little platform that's the size of a piece of paper, and then diving.
4: No. Climbing up 172 feet is impressive to me. So somebody told me, I should have
2: asked him this, Christian, but somebody told me that the guys that go out and they have to, like, replace the lights on top of, like, uh, cell phone towers and things, Mm -hmm. they get paid, like, 10 or 20 grand a pop. Dang. So I don't know how they, how you, uh, what those lights are made. They've got to be, like, obviously super long-lasting lights. I don't know Mm -hmm. what kind of special LED lights Mm -hmm. they use up there, but, um... I mean, dude, I was like, no, there's no amount of money you could pay me where I would do, I would freak out, like I would freeze, and then you'd have to rescue me, or I'd fall off and die, and it would just not be worth. It. There's no amount of money, so we were, and then we were like doing the math, like, okay, well, how high would you go? Would you go 50 feet, 100 feet, 28 feet? Like, how? how high? There's a number, mm-hmm. but I'm like, no, no, no more than that. Not even one more foot. I got sometimes I go out in the back of the of the buzz, and I'll stand there and I'll look up at our chair, and my like, holy hell, somebody climbs that thing on occasion to fix stuff. No chance. <laughs> it makes me nervous, like it makes my stomach churn standing on the ground.
4: Yeah, I'm, no way. We've seen people climb that tower. It's, I just couldn't do it.
2: I can't take it. I don't even want to watch dudes do it. It makes me too nervous. Anyway, Dr. O'Malley does, and he makes, he's got very calm hands, and he makes me very calm, so I appreciate him very much. Doc, we just talked to a guy who uh, hurt his knee uh, by jumping off a, he a, 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 was like 150 feet or something. He said his leg snapped back so hard when he hit the water that it kicked him in the back of the head, and it tore all the ligaments in his knee. I'm assuming you've never worked on anybody who's been uh, crazy enough to do that.
5: No, I've had plenty of other crazy injuries, but not from 150 feet.
2: What's the craziest injury you've ever had for a knee that got tore up like that?
5: Uh, a lot of them are just horrible car accidents, football injuries. I mean, we've had some knees twists in some pretty crazy positions, uh, but not from 150 feet like that.
2: And you don't ever get trauma patients, right? You don't ever. Do you ever? They ever call you in like, "Hey, this guy's jacked up. We need to do emergency surgery." From an orthopedic standpoint, or do you guys wait until a day or two later, or whatever?
5: Yeah, so thankfully I have really good trauma surgeon partners, orthopedic trauma surgeons. But, so they really manage all of the acute injuries like that. So when they come to me, like I had one guy who jumped off a bridge. I've never asked why he jumped off the bridge. Um, but uh, they'll, normally when I'm taking <laughs> care of them, it's either within the next few days or a few weeks later once they've been stabilized. And then it's just a ligament cartilage problem that we're taking care of.
2: Gotcha. All right, well, let's talk uh, more normal stuff like football. And H uh, from the Dolphins, I added him to my uh, fantasy roster, and I'm convinced that's why he got hurt. He's dealing with a hamstring. He's going to be out for a minute. So especially for a guy like that, a speed guy, what's the process for him?
5: Yeah, so, I mean, it, it sounds like he's out in at least a couple weeks and maybe more. It just depends on how bad that hamstring strain is, right? Talk about the different grades that you can get. Uh, grade 1 would be a couple weeks. Grade 2, 3, and maybe 3 or 4 weeks, depending on how it's healing. So they will be doing therapy, trying to get that muscle to calm down uh, and then slowly get him back into um, his agility that he needs to be able to do to be able to play. And then it, it just depends on how he heals, and they don't want to push him out too quickly because then he just risks re-injuring it and getting back
2: on injured reserve Wes just pointed out I misquoted that was Justin Jefferson's got a hammy it's a knee for H yeah. hand, so what yeah. did he what did he do to his knee
3: they are not saying uh he actually played he hurt the knee uh in late in the game and came back and played but now he's uh, on the IR uh, but they're not saying the uh, extent of the injury but they feel like the 4 weeks he'll be back after that so it must not be too significant if he can come back in 4 weeks
5: yeah, it's probably like a bad bone bruise or something like that um, where it just takes time for that to calm down, particularly as well as they're playing with the other running backs they have. They probably just want to rest up let it calm down so they have them towards the end of the peak.
3: Uh Been reading about Travis Kelsey, not because of Taylor Swift, but because mm-hmm. of an injury. Um, lateral ankle sprain, what's that?
5: Yeah, that's just a typical ankle sprain. It sounds all bad, and it's just a typical what we call a low ankle sprain, right? Not a high ankle sprain. When you sprain Mm -hmm. your ankle, it's normally on the lateral. That's the outside of the ankle. Uh, There's a couple ligaments over there that can be torn. Um, And so just letting the inflammation calm down. The same thing like Patrick Mahomes went through uh, when he sprained his ankle. It's just letting the doing therapy, letting it calm down, and then taping and bracing well so he can go back out whenever he feels confident in that ankle.
3: I want to move to baseball, I'm a Rangers fan, Max Scherzer. There is talk that Max Scherzer may pitch in the ALCS, in fact he had a, a bullpen session yesterday and things looked well. He has not pitched since September 12th. He had a strained Terrace Major muscle in the right shoulder. What is that?
5: Yeah, so it's one of the muscles um, that allow that really attach on the back of your shoulder. And so it's interesting. I mean, it's not a very common injury to see, and so he must have calmed down enough that they feel like he can pitch. So it's very reasonable uh, with that timeline to be back pitching. I don't think that he thought they would maybe get as far as they have um, from a playoff standpoint, and so that's probably where it was like, well, he's out the whole season. Well, now that he's feeling better and able to do a bullpen session, we'll see whether or not he's able to pitch or not.
3: Yeah, they said initially he'd be out two months. This is exactly one month since he heard it.
5: Yeah, and so right as we as we talked about strains, they're all over the place in terms of the recovery, and so hopefully it sounds like he's feeling well enough that it's not unreasonable for him to pitch and just see how well he actually does um, based off that mm-hmm. bullpen session. And then if he actually does pitch in the ALCS, uh, how how good he is compared to his normal
7: form.
2: Doc, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. If you need some help from our uh, friends over at UMS Orthopedics, Dr. O'Malley and his team can help you out ums.health slash ortho several locations around little rock and same or next day appointment availability 501-526-1046 doc thank you and uh i'll keep an eye on the high divers hopefully you don't see any have to see any of those guys this week
5: hopefully not you guys have a good one thanks
2: all right thank you that is dr uh, larry, larry o'malley over at ums coming up doctor doctor how about mayor Frank Scott will join us uh, Got a chance to see him yesterday I didn't get a chance to visit with him He was in and out I'm sure he had nine other things to go do last night After the uh, gathering Talking about the plan for downtown Little Rock But uh, we're going to visit with him About what his takeaways are In the early part of the planning process On the other side of the break And as we head in want to tell you about our friends over at Cash, Speaking of downtown Right in the heart of downtown Is Cash Little Rock Great restaurant And if you haven't been there lately It's a great spot for lunch Or for dinner and, you know, it can be kind of casual. If you got a romantic uh, situation going on, it's a great spot to go in there and impress someone special. It's Cash, Little Rock downtown. Again, free valet parking is part of it. Great food locally owned by some folks here in Little Rock. C-A-C-H-E, LittleRock.com is the website. 501-850-0265. Multiple spots in the uh, restaurant to hold a gathering, too. So if you've got about 30, they've got a room for you. And upstairs, they can do up to 150 comfortably. So if you've got, say, a wedding rehearsal or just a gathering for a special event, maybe a corporate gathering, or if you're planning a holiday event, Cash Little Rock here to help. So they got all your bases covered. And I love the upstairs area because you got the inso- inside-outside. And this time of year when the weather's perfect, you can sit out on that patio upstairs and have a drink and uh, overlook the river market and then, uh, you know, head back inside if you get chilled. It's a great spot, man. Just absolutely love it. So goodbye by see our friends at Cash real soon. And, again, get on it if you're planning on booking a holiday event because they're going to fill up pretty quick here. It's 1147. Back with the mayor on the other side. Oh my- Hi, neighbor. It's Garen with Shamrock Roofing. Insurance deny you coverage on that roof? You won't be denied at Shamrock. Visit ShamrockRoofer.com for a chance to win a new roof absolutely free. Just visit ShamrockRoofer.com
8: Hello, folks. This is Frank Fletcher from the Rear front Take Takeout. Well, I know you've heard about our amazing specials on Thursday night. Well, we've got a new one this week. This Thursday night, we're going to have Prime Rib. Buy one, get one free. Here's the deal. 12 ounce prime rib cooked the way you like it. Serve with our great mashed potatoes for twenty nine seventy five. Buy one, get one free. This offer is good Thursday night. Folks, this is a great value. This is gonna be under thirty bucks for two people. So for fifteen dollars each, you can have a super super night at the Riverfront Steakhouse. This is gonna be very popular, so please call for reservations. 371 9000 Folks come out and enjoy this buy one, get one free this Thursday night. You can add our famous salad bar for our only As you know, we have the area's largest salad bar with over 30 items, including shrimp. Remember, this is a great value for this Thursday night. Please come see us at the Riverfront Steakhouse and enjoy our buy one, get one free. Thanks.
4: When it comes to tailgating this football season, Edwards Food Giant is your MVP when it comes to a hassle-free tailgate party. Pulled pork smoked to perfection, along with an ultimate lineup of sides and essentials that'll make your taste buds cheer and your tailgate setup a breeze. The Edwards team also features even more delicious meats like chicken, brisket, ribs, and smoked sausage, all straight from their own smokeouts. And it can all be found by clicking edwardsfoodgiant.com or by visiting... Visiting your local edwards food giant store edwards food giant is your mvp edwards you're
0: back in the Oaklawn racing casino resort studio home of the zone to get into the show call or text 661-1037 now let's see what justin and wes have to say on the buzz radio network
1: the ones that hit me the most looks just
2: like eleven we're here at the arkansas state fair we are underway soon Uh, Just under 24 hours away from opening the gates for real. we got the media day today, so we're here to tell you about all the cool stuff they have to offer. And we're going to continue to do that coming up after we talk to Mayor Scott here in Little Rock. And, Mayor, I'm assuming you're going to make it a point to make it over here, despite all your other uh, things you've got to do in your role as mayor. But uh, this is obviously a great thing for the capital city.
7: It totally is. I'm definitely going to do my best to get by. How are you doing today? I'm great. Good.
2: Um, sorry i missed sorry, Misty, last night. I saw you uh, at the event last night downtown at the Mosaic Templar and talking about long, long-range long planning for downtown Little Rock. There's a lot of positive energy in the room. There are a lot of people who have different priorities, I think, about what they want to see for the downtown area. And obviously, it's the heartbeat of the city, and which is obviously the heartbeat of the state. So we want to see some good things going forward. And there's so many cool things happening now with construction and development, and the possibilities are really endless. So I really love that you guys are getting a, a long-term plan together and uh, – Anyway, wish I'd had a chance to say hello, but uh, I thought it was a really good start to this whole process.
7: Yeah, Aaron told me you were there, and I had I didn't get a chance to say hello to you either. But I think we both can attest that it was clearly an electric um, moment in time uh, last night at Mosaic Templars, uh, where you truly saw the city was very diverse, a young, old, black, white, brown. Mm-hmm. Everything you could think of as, as it relates to the city of Little Rock. And so it was really exciting to see that. And everybody was just on one accord uh, for the love of the city of Little Rock and the love of downtown and how we can continue to contribute to the resurgence, as you shared already. uh, We've seen close to uh, several hundred million dollars being invested into downtown Little Rock over the last few months, uh, whether it's the forthcoming expansion of the Clinton Library for the Hillary Clinton wing, the Stella Boy, Doyle Smith Orchestra, uh, Arkansas Symphony Orchestra building that's going in the East Village area, uh, to what's going on with the Attorney General's Office moving to the M.M. M. Cohen building, really closing that donut hole in Main Street. Uh, it is just so many, the Lyons College and the new veterinary and, and mm-hmm. a dental school that's going to be in the East Village. Uh, the things that's going on with the Central Arkansas Library System with their renovation as well, uh, what we're doing with our downtown ambassadors program, and now this plan. And so what we've seen is so much money go towards that we want to make certain that it's coordinated, but not only that it's a plan, that we fund the plan in addition to the other investments that's been made to date.
2: Yeah, when people hear that government is spending money on things, I think everybody sort of has a uh, concern. I love the fact that you're getting feedback from people. What is the process over the next several months to get good feedback and to try to really cultivate the best ideas for what's good for downtown?
7: Sure. We are leveraging American Rescue Plan Act dollars uh, to the tune of close to a million dollars to procure us, consulting us, a national-known firm called Sasaki, where they have uh, redefined, redesigned, and reimagined downtowns across this nation. Uh, And their project lead is Daniel Church, who is a Little Rock Central High School graduate and native of Little Rock. So really excited that the project leader of a national firm is from Little Rock and is going to have their imprints on it, alongside uh, C.C. Mercer Watson, is helping a lot with the stakeholder management. And so what we've done is we've uh, appointed an executive steering committee, stakeholder committees, and there have been a host of focus groups that will continue on to meet over the next nine months to pull together this plan. And then this plan will be delivered to uh, the City of Little Rock Board of Directors and myself uh, with the opportunity to figure out how we fund it. Uh, but it, it truly will be our playbook and a playbook for success.
2: I understand there are going to be many opportunities for people to weigh in, whether it's sort of a grassroots thing or organized events like last night sound like uh, the guys that are working on the development we just mentioned um, from the the company are going to be down the river market and and giving people an opportunity to sort of share their thoughts and that was something I thought last night was good sometimes you get in those kinds of situations and you know whether there's any kind of stress or whatever it just seemed like a very relaxed atmosphere and I hope there's more of that and again people have positive energy towards it but there are going to be several chances for people to have an opportunity right to weigh in at, at various places and I know there's committees working on this too
7: Yes, we're actually are going to have a number of different pop-up events over the, the next nine months, and these going to be very strategic, but also um, authentic. And when I say authentic, from the standpoint of they're just going to pop up and and ask random uh, folks about what their thoughts are and what we can do, and really get that honest feedback that you need uh, uh, as we continue to measure our success. So excited about that. And then two, if you. Uh, follow uh, the social media channels for the City of Little Rock as well as myself and the Downtown Little Rock Partnership. There are a number of different surveys uh, that they are taking right now and definitely want to solicit that feedback.
2: Absolutely. Well, listen, uh, I I appreciate what you all are doing and last night was a great start to things and I'm hoping to have a chance to, uh, to be at some more of those events going forward. I think it's really great and obviously it's an important topic. Anything else we need to hit on before we let you go?
7: Well, I want to make certain you get involved, so we'll be talking about how we can make sure your feedback uh, gets front and center as well.
2: Well, the good thing about us, I mean, I may not know much, but we do have our finger on the pulse at least to some degree, and we do Mm -hmm. get thoughts from listeners and people, so I think we get a pretty good wide swath of people who want to weigh in on these types of issues, and at least we have a a format to do that. So that's uh, something we'd love to contribute if we can. But I appreciate the consideration on that, Mayor Scott, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Take care. Frank Scott, Jr., Little Rock Mayor. It's exciting times for downtown Little Rock. And for those of you who... Uh whatever reason don't spend a lot of time down there and would like to have more reasons to do so i think they're working towards that end and i like you said having a national firm like this that's widely respected they've worked on you know metro situations across the country and to have people that are little rock central graduates on the uh, uh as part of the organization is really a cool thing to see that was part of the excitement last night for me too i thought that was neat to have a you know guy that uh, and I was on there that it truly really understands what little rock's about
3: Man, with the river going right there—it's such a cool area. Yep. It needs to be utilized. The—the the fact that there could be so many areas that you could just sit out there eat, drink, whatever, with right. the river going by. It's just, it just seems not to be utilized like I've seen in other cities that has a river running through the middle of the city, and you know, even places for boats to, to come up, pull up, yep. uh, restaurant-type areas.
2: Yeah, 1,000%. I agree 100%, Wes. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's absolutely frustrating. And there are a few places that... Have uh, decks that overlook, you know, but there's mm-hmm. the spot behind Sunny's that's no longer open right now, at least. That's a vacant space. You know, Brave News got a, a patio or deck outside where you can overlook the river, but there aren't very many people who, especially on the water, who uh, utilize the space very effectively. It really is sad. I mean, a lot yeah. of the river trails are great, but it'd be great to get some more, you know, opportunities for people who either aren't active in that way or don't do that kind of thing and that uh, can go down there and and take advantage of it. I think it'd be cool. Uh, We're going to talk a little more about Razorback football. I found some numbers here. I'm trying to figure out what it is with the Arkansas State Fair that coincides with my um, attitude about Razorback football and Mm -hmm. I just realized what it was. I did a five-year dive on where the Razorback football program was at this point when we come out here for Media Day Mm -hmm. for the Arkansas State Fair. And when I tell you the results, you'll understand my feelings about it. So the good news is we have plenty of distractions today to keep us busy, lots of food options, and we're going to talk to some more vendors coming up. And uh, I don't think we'll talk to anybody more interesting than the eight-time world champion high diver, but we're going to have some good folks coming up. J.W., hang on. We can hit you out of the break as well. Hit us up on our Southern Structural Solutions text line, 661-1037. You can also call in at the same number and Asher record live fan feedback also open. We're back at Arkansas State Fair Media Day after this in the zone on the Buzz Radio Network.
0: The best way to show up for tailgate season is with Mark McClarty Ford. Come see one of the largest selections of the best tailgating vehicles stadium parking lots have ever seen. And right now, take a whopping $12,000 off brand new Ford F-150s. That's $12,000 off. All with a five-star legendary car buying experience. Come visit Mark McClarty. Ford